beautiful. By the rivers of Babylon, where he sat down, and where he wait, where he remembered Zion. Something spooky and sad. Nope, 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 nope. Let's let's get these chords right. to confess something to you and that is that i think we were separated at birth <laughs> i listened to the chicago podcast and went oh, we're the same person <laughs> i've been picking up on that a little bit give yeah, me the old I'm, razzle dazzle did i oh i i am a musical theater girl i am I, yeah. uh, now I just live vicariously through others and do lip syncing on tiktok so <laughs> I've uh, been trained in musical theater since I was 14, so. Just since I was two. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I haven't done it for a long time now, but. Yeah, it's it was been everything. a while. I, yeah, I went to a performing arts high school, so my high school was pretty much fame. That was. I went to, went to a performing arts high school, too. In fact, we <laughs> went and saw Matilda Jr. there last night. Uh-huh. Yeah. One of my high school <laughs> friends is now the drama, the drama teacher there. Oh wow, yep. how funny! 
Yeah, it's cool. So, <laughs> uh, you may have heard this on a past episode if you listened to it, but uh, Paul and I went to the same school, but he was a couple years ahead of me, and we didn't really know each other, although I'd seen him in some plays, not realizing years down the road that it was him until we were... But that was cool. Yeah. I looked back on a playbill and I actually had a signature from him. <laughs> I was like, look at that. You autograph for him. <laughs> yeah, the people ask cool, for autographs. Sir. Just let you do. Yeah. <laughs> you got to give the people what they want. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So we've got a guest at 1130. So I guess we should be punctual and on time. Yep. Let's make like Limp Biscuit and keep rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> So you gotta have faith. Yeah. <laughs> since uh, you know, this will be Rachel's third time on the show, so we're not gonna berate you with questions or anything. We'll just But Paul, you have a couple like cold open. Yeah, I, I yeah, I just got a couple of uh news article or news items that I thought we'd discuss on the cold open. Okay. Sounds good. People keep asking if we're back, and I'm thinking we're back for another episode. Hooray! We're uh we're going to forego questions since our guest today, Rachel Hope, has been with us a few times before. And uh, we're going we're gonna to just cover some news articles, which will be a nice week and a half late by the time you hear these. <laughs> <laughs> we're everything but punctual. That's right. So, uh, our first news article of the day is... Uh, Hey guys, did you hear that Andrew Garfield's taking a break from acting? Oh, actually, no, I didn't hear that. Mm-mm. After her, after uh, he does the press tour for his new series that's on Hulu, I believe. Uh, he said he's taking a break. Oh, oh. and my phone's just going to start making a bunch that, of noise. That's Andrew Garfield texting right now with a <laughs> um, oh, yep. explanation. Or, I mean, you know, he doesn't have to explain, but did he say why? Just oh yeah, well, he, no, said, he has to explain. He's sort of in the peak of his career. Why are we breaking now? <laughs> he says, uh, "You guys pretended like you liked me this past year when you couldn't give a shit about me before. You don't deserve me." Oh, uh-huh. no, that's fair. Not true. Big. I've liked him since Social Network. Yeah. Boy needs to check his facts. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a little bummed to hear that. Yeah, as Rachel said. Yeah. Peak of his career. He he put in three amazing performances in uh, <laughs> movies of varying quality. He was the best spider. <laughs> he was probably the best person in the whole damn movie. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he was very good in Tammy, Tammy Faye. I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't like the way they aged him. I feel like we were talking about this the other week as well, where sometimes the aging makeup is questionable. I think they aged Jessica Chastain really well, but I think with him it just didn't look realistic. But his performance was very strong. Yeah, it. I, I really liked him as Jim Baker. Um, yeah. I I actually think he outshone Jessica Chastain, but, of course, she's the one who walks away with an Oscar on it. So. Yeah. Mm. I what still need to see it. I um, it was one of those things that just came up in a you may like this, and mm-hmm. and I watched it. I mean, look, I'm grateful. I'm I'm glad that she won her Oscar. I think it was that kind of year. But I think, yeah, I think he was he was really great in it. And maybe it's because he was so great in so many things this year. Yeah, because it was white noise. 
yeah, while I thought Tick Tick Boom was just okay, I, I thought it was just okay because he shines so well in it. Yeah. Yeah, he uh he he has that ability. He and he's one of those actors that uh for me sometimes it's very obvious when the English actors are playing American or when the American actors are playing English. It's um everyone's ranting about this new uh film that Claire Danes and Tom Hiddleston are doing, but whenever I hear Claire Danes do an English accent, I go no. <laughs> Um, and, and she's she's a powerful actress. It's just the accent drives me crazy. Stardust was the same thing. I was just like, just stop yeah. talking. I, <laughs> I, I feel the same way whenever Michael Caine tries to not be Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine <laughs> has made a whole career out of being Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine, why why are you doing this accent right now? <laughs> I, I I saw uh, like he pops up on Twitter every every few months just like with a hello i'm here <laughs> and then he disappears for a while uh he's cool. so yeah andrew garfield you will be missed you will be let's hope we see you back soon yeah just uh, make sure you text him that okay paul some, yeah i will i will somebody's Texting gonna right now. have like a, a golden script that they throw his way and that'll be like he'll return with this movie and it'll be amazing yeah, hopefully it's another like ninety nine homes because he was excellent, man. He, he's one I he's been so good in so much, it's, so much, and for for a really long time he was an actor that nobody noticed. Even when he was Spider Man, they only knew him as Spider Man. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, hang on, there's some incredible stuff that was done there. Yeah, you're like, hey, that's that guy from that one episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, next news item we're going to get to. Um, apparently, we're just canceling vampire movies around Hollywood right now. Oh. Oh, so we'll, we'll get to why we think this might be. But Karen Kasama's uh, Mina Harker film has been canceled, and it was about to start filming in roughly three weeks. So probably about one week by the time you hear this. And uh, Robert Eggers' Nosferatu has been put on ice. Oh, it has? Yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, I, I had mistakenly said something to Jonathan about the, um, the Nicolas Cage Dracula film getting canceled. Thankfully, that's still on. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, as long as we still have that. Yeah. Is uh, the Nosferatu thing anything because of the Northman's? box office performance or so i'm thinking it's the box office performance of a one dr michael morbius oh who of course is my wife and i's new physician yes (laughs) (laughs) have you seen him yet yeah you're still here so i guess maybe not no yeah he's a great physician (laughs) um yeah so that's kind of my take on it uh i know vampires have kind of been overdone in popular culture as of late. I was really excited for all of these films. Yeah. Hmm. Do we think Hmm. that maybe they're canceling them just because, you know, it's good worldwide health organization advice that given pandemics, it's probably best to not suck other people's blood. That's, uh, (laughs) I I think that's fair. (laughs) Hmm. I think that there was an absolute saturation of vampire stuff. I think that there was, you know, there were years there where we had uh, in mainstream, you had mainstream vampire stuff because it used to be a very like independent dark thing. 
that you would mm-hmm. get these mainstream, not exactly great quality vampire movies, but then you would get these independents that were better. I think that we've had Twilight and Vampire Diaries in the originals and you've had all of these things. True Blood. But, True Blood, yeah. But it's been quite a while since all of them finished. I mean, surely they all finished like five, six years ago now. Yeah. Like so, I said, right? it, I personally think it comes down to, to Morbius just failing Tanking. so hard. Yeah. But it, it goes to something I talk about often where I just feel like Hollywood learns all the wrong lessons from yeah, yeah, from everything. Not because it's a vampire. Like you, you just made a bad movie, Hollywood. We can we could make one bad one and not have to have <laughs> shockwaves through the entire industry. Yeah. I think maybe the Jared Leto Oops. effect. Do we think? Oh God, he's just the worst. <laughs> I'm dropping my chocolate here. I quite I quite like him in Urban Legends when he uh, he wasn't aware that he was the worst. <laughs> I I was gonna say there was a time in my life where I was very excited to see Mr. Jordan Catalano in anything. That time has long since passed. Did you just say you were dropping your chocolate? What kind I of dropped chocolate it. Are you eating? This is a this is a Mr. Good Bar. I had a I had little minis. I got a Mr. Good Bar, a Hershey's dark chocolate, and then I had a Reese's cup. What is a little, Mr. Good Bar? It's a her, like Hershey's chocolate with peanuts. Okay, it's good. Yeah. You can only buy Hershey's in a specialty store here. Oh, it, that, that's fine because it's the worst chocolate there is. I yeah, I don't <laughs> like regular. Rich. I don't Disgusting. like regular Hershey's, but when it's got Mr. Good Bar, I do like. I'm just I'm not a fan of milk chocolate to begin with. Mm. It really has to have something to it. Yeah. Some cat so you're you're a dark dark chocolate. Yeah, the darker the better. Bitter yeah, like the, my soul. That's <laughs> <just> yeah. special, <laughs> mildly sweet. Mild, oh. semi sweet chocolate. Well, I I am I am currently living in Facebook memory history at the moment because this time three years ago I was in the states. That's so. hilarious because this time three years ago I was in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> It was if we're looking at the exact day, I think this day three years ago, I was in Iowa. Oh yeah. Not hanging out with Jonathan, unfortunately. Yeah. Even though you were 30 minutes apart. Yeah. I saw <laughs> you post about a friend in Chicago. When was that trip? Yeah, that was oh, that was the same trip. I so okay. um there's a direct flight. Uh, Air New Zealand does direct flights from Auckland to Chicago. Wow. And they're direct the only flight. airline Ooh. in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> It's a 17-hour flight. So yeah, it's that nice sounds... to do it all in one hit. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine <laughs> a layover on that. <laughs> and um and New Zealand are actually really great. Um, they're a really good airline. I think they're underrated. I think oh, New no Zealand bad. is just underrated. Don't tell other people I said that. I'm Australian. I'm not supposed to to feel <laughs> that way. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to just think we're better than them. We're not, we're just bigger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, should we talk about a movie? Oh, you got any more news notes? I, I got one more. Okay. And this one's, this one's going to affect you the worst, Zach. Oh. Um, Justin Lin is leaving Fast X over creative differences. Oh. <laughs> I, I so, knew you'd be heartbroken. Are you yeah. okay? I, Can yeah, you he, down? he is being a big tease because I have still yet to see any of those films. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for one, am very distraught because mm-hmm. Justin Lin is the driving force of those films. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you, do you feel like those films just eventually beat people into submission? <laughs> I feel I, like that's correct. Um, they beat me re- into submission in the fifth one. I I feel like that's what happened with me too because I remember watching sort of the the first two and just going Meh. I think I I saw them because whoever I was dating wanted to watch them mm-hmm. and then the third one I watched. For that reason, I know for a fact I watched it for that reason. And then sort of around number five, I was like, yeah, right. This is like popcorn for dinner. It's not exactly nutritious, but it's kind of entertaining. <laughs> yeah, the, the first one came out. I was 17 and I took movies seriously. Oh, yeah. We, we were unre- unappreciated amongst our peers, Paul. That's right. Yeah. All these people telling me that Freddie Prince Jr. was a good actor, and I'm just like, really? Yeah. While meanwhile, he still won't come on this show to punch yeah. Manny in the face for talking shit about Rocky. Fuck you, FPJ. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he interacted with us on Twitter, and he's been silent ever since. We're, we're okay. very disappointed. So, in so him. he's on the list with Devin Sawa as well of people that need to be on this show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, for for different reasons. Yes. Because he told us if we talk shit about Rocky, he was going to find us. So we were like, come on the show. And he never showed up. <laughs> I need to go back and listen to the Rocky episode now. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think that's just me, Zach, and Manny. Was Jonathan on that episode? Rocky. Uh, I think he might have been. I th- maybe. Maybe. Anyway. Yeah, so Manny Rocky. came on. 1976, right, Rocky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy Lin, the Lin Sanity. Justin Justin Lin, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) See, he's that distraught, Paul, but he can't even keep the name straight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, Lin comes on in in, uh, Tokyo Drift and directed uh, three, four, five, and six. Stepped away for James Wan to do seven, and then F. Gary Gray stepped in for eight. Then Lynn came back for nine. He was supposed to do this one. Now he's off again, and I'm not happy. I kind of liked number three. I I guess because it wasn't really, yeah, it was a different film. It has its charms, (laughs) and it was a weird, uh, well, I guess those first three films were all weird departures from each other. Yeah. (laughs) Because, man, the shit John Singleton did with Too Fast, Too Furious is wild yeah when you watch it compared to the first one look i you know and i'm i'm not a film snob i think i probably was in my youth i'm i'm not a film snob now i'm i will quite happily watch jason statham and the rock and uh vin diesel uh you know mess yeah. shit up yeah and enjoy it <laughs> yeah some somewhere in my early 20s i i kind of realized that big dumb movies could be fun as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that thing. I think at some point in your life, you either realize that you're not going to take yourself too seriously or you are. Yeah. yeah. I'm still taking myself too seriously. That's okay, Zach. Cause we're here to just sort of bring it down and remind you that Jeremy Lynn is actually Justin. (laughs) (laughs) He's going back to his basketball career. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now do we talk about a movie? Let's talk about a movie.
Well, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land, my name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. I'm Rachel Hope. And we are your Oscar Grouches, and welcome back to the Oscar Worthy Podcast, show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong if they went wrong. And what are we watching this week, Zach? This week, we're watching Million Dollar Baby, a movie where a grizzled boxing trainer asks an eager young fighter that age-old question, Behind the door, should I open it for you, or are you unforgiven too? Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know why you said that, and I just got the memory remains stuck in my head. That's well, the wrong Metallica song. <laughs> literally unforgiven too. But yes. Yes. <laughs> so I was gonna I was gonna do the Marianne Faithful part from Memory Remains, and I was like, no, that's not the right song. Yeah, yeah. They're all on the radio at the same time. So. Yeah, it came from the, the same two albums. Mm-hmm. Is this everybody's first time seeing the Million Dollar Babies? <laughs> no. No, it's only my N- second time, though. N- no, for me, does anybody remember their first time? Uh, <laughs> do you have a story, Rachel? I remember watching it on a um, <clears throat> legally obtained... <laughs> Um, Very legally, I'm sure. DVD version of it when it was still in cinema. Oh. Um, I remember thinking it was going to be a very different movie to what it actually was. Yeah. There's some people complaining about the advertising on this, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Zach, do you remember? Yeah. I saw it in 2006 on DVD, and I had mixed feelings, and I'll get into those later. Well, as I mentioned on last week's episode, I started working at a movie theater at the beginning of 2004 Hmm. and watched just about, just about, and by just about, I mean probably all but two or three movies that were released in theaters in the year of 2004, at least in mainstream cinemas. Yes. Uh, I am so jealous of that. That was my dream job. It it was the best job I ever had. Well, second, maybe... I also worked at a comic shop and that shit was really cool. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I saw this at a movie theater while I was working there. Cool. That was a fun story. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get free popcorn? Yes. All okay. the free, all the free popcorn I could eat, which you find yeah. out very quickly is not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really weird that you guys add butter to your popcorn. I went to the. I, I saw Endgame when I was in the states, and the the guy at the candy bar was like, "Do you want butter?" And I'm thinking, "Is that it already buttered?" We add no, butter to most things. It is not already buttered. <laughs> see it's, over here, it's already buttered. Ah, see, so, it's, yeah. it's it's <laughs> salted, uh, and it's it's done with like a buttery type salt topping, but it's not butter butter. Yeah. yeah. I just remember little... turning to whoever I was with going, do we want butter? And they're like, yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> you get a cup for water. Can I have a cup for water? And then you go fill it up with the pump butter. That way you can dump it as you go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, these days, if you go to the AMC 24, they just have little um, plastic cups sitting by the butter pumps. Oh. So Ooh. that's just the thing you can do. They, they cut on. Yep. All right. Let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. Hey, guess what? What? It 
is my 21st birthday, 2005. Hooray! February 27th. Uh, I have my 21st birthday at a Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> By choice? By choice. Best birthday ever. Because <laughs> uh, I had my 18th birthday at a Chuck E. Cheese, too. Because... <laughs> Uh, I, I love Chuck E. Cheese, but I'm just gonna go with it. Okay. <laughs> uh, they it's it's a pretty much a kid well, arcade elect- that also serves pizza, electric okay. rat casino and pizza or something like that. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Is it basically yeah. a place where kids have their birthday parties? Yes. yes. Are you okay. familiar with Five Nights at Freddy's? No. No. Okay. Another kid video game series. But anyway. Then I then I shan't bring up Showbiz Pizza. Okay. <laughs> Where my mom worked when I was like four. Uh, anyway, February 27, 2005, we are still at the Kodak Theater in Hollywood. Uh, our host this evening is a very unslapped Chris Rock. No, that joke that, went over like a lead balloon. So, that, our that, most that, joke, that joke totally slapped. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Well done. Um, our most nominated <laughs> film of the evening is The Aviator at 11. Our most yeah. awarded film on the evening is The Aviator at 5. There. Million Dollar Baby wins Best Picture, giving Clint Eastwood, Albert S. Ruddy, and Tom Rosenberg Academy Awards for producing, beating out The Aviator, which we will be talking about tomorrow night, mm-hmm. Finding Neverland, Ray, and Sideways. Uh, Clint Eastwood picks up Best Director for Million Dollar Baby in a very interesting field, mm. which includes Martin Scorsese, Alexander Payne, Mike Lee, and Taylor Hackford. Hooray. Just in case you didn't know who Taylor Hackford was, because I don't blame you if you don't. Married to Helen Marin, isn't he? I believe you're correct. So he's like the luckiest man on earth because, you know, who wouldn't go there? Right. Damn, Damn Helen Marin. <laughs> Speaking of Taylor Hackford's Ray, Jamie Foxx wins Best Actor, beating out Clint Eastwood for Million Dollar Baby in probably Clint Eastwood's best performance on screen. We can debate Controversial that. take, but I'll let you have it. I, I, like, I like a good controversial take. <laughs> uh, Hilary Swank wins her second Best Actress Academy Award for Million Dollar Baby, again beating out Annette Benning. Poor Annette Benning, huh? <laughs> Is nominated for being Julia. Swag. Apparently not being good enough to win Best Actress. Ah. Like twice, she makes these amazing Oscar-worthy performances. Mm-hmm. Twice by the same person. Like, yep. And and. Wonder if they have a blood feud. No disservice to Hilary Swank, but like, she's done two films with a decent performance in it, <laughs> and got an Oscar for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> is that her or Jennifer Garner in Freedom Riders? It's her in Freedom it's Riders. Her. <laughs> I, yeah. Yep. I think she actually. I, there was a there was a journalist who lost his job because he said that if uh, Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero actress ever won an Oscar, he would quit his job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love this so much. <laughs> Oh, a uh, couple notes real quick. Clint Eastwood was the oldest winner for Best Director huh. at 74. 
Uh, Martin Scorsese getting, I believe, his sixth nomination for Best Director joined Robert Altman, Clarence Brown, Alfred Hitchcock, and King Vitor as the most nominated individuals in the Best Director category without a single win. Good company. Too true. <laughs> uh, best Supporting Actor goes to Morgan Freeman in Million Dollar Baby. Morgan beating beating Jamie Foxx in Collateral, who is only the second male performer to be nominated twice in one evening. What a year. What a year for Mr. Fox. What a year. God, yeah. Collateral. Collateral's so good. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn comes back from the dead and wins her fifth Oscar. <laughs> Channeling through Kate Blanchett. Sometimes girls there. Uh, <laughs> what? We claim her. She's Australian. <laughs> the queen oh, of the screen. She's so fucking good in that movie, too. Oh, my she's God. She's so good in everything. Yeah. This is true, but her is Kate Hepburn. Is oh, perfect. Just. It it captures the idiosyncrasies without it seeming like it's overacting or right. mimicking. It's exactly. just this perfect. It's just seamless. Yeah, I agree. It it feels less like uh, an imitation, and it feels like you're watching Catherine Hepburn with a slightly different face. Yep, yep. <laughs> and still just as hot. Oh, yes. <laughs> you got to love a strong woman. Mm-hmm. I do. Feisty. I, I love any woman that gives off that bisexual energy. <laughs> oh, my God. Hurt. Catherine Hepburn is Joe Marsh. Oof. <laughs> Be still my beating heart. All right. Uh, best original screenplay, because we've dropped all that pretense. Hooray! Uh, goes to... Zach prepared to celebrate Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, giving Charlie Kaufman, Michel Gondry, and Pierre Bismuth Academy Awards. Wonderful. There's a bump from over there, and I think one of my children died, so let's continue. (laughs) (laughs) My children are okay, everyone. I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah. Rub some Uh, salt on it. I was going to say put a yeah. band-aid on it, but then I was like, do they have Windex. band-aids in America? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you should say Windex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Million Dollar Baby, I did see Eternal Sunshine in the theaters. Hooray! Oh, so did I. Oh, yes. Had a, bunch, had a bunch of the character posters for it, too. I think I gave those away, though. Sorry. What an asshole. Hair yeah. inspiration. Giving away free posters to my friends. What a jerk I am. Oh, well. How dare you? How dare I not be friends with you back then for my mistake? I've learned. I still got a bunch of one sheets from when I worked there, too. So, all right. Uh, best adapted screenplay goes to Sideways, giving Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor Academy Awards over Paul Haggis for Million Dollar Baby. Our best animated feature this evening goes to The Incredibles. Do you know I've Incredible. never seen The Incredibles? You should see The Incredibles. It's like... <laughs> I guess. It's probably a bit embarrassing that I haven't seen it, right? <laughs> have, you, have you seen The Iron Giant? Yes. Okay. If you like <laughs> The Iron Giant, you need to watch The Incredibles. Okay. And then uh, Mission Impossible 
uh, wrote no Ghost Protocol. Oh, I've seen that. <laughs> okay, all the same director. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Tomorrowland, Mr. Bird. Yeah, I'll just talk about Brad Bird for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, best foreign language film goes to The Sea Inside uh, from Spain. Javier Bardem. Correct. <sighs> yeah. Best documentary feature goes to Born into Brothels, Calcutta's Red Light Kids. Oh, yeah. That sounds very cheery. Well, the documentary section always is. Yeah, I know. It's just. <sighs> I, I was really yeah. pulling for Tupac Resurrection that year. <laughs> I really was. I love that movie. It's very well edited. I actually saw Born into Brothels, but it's been like since 2006. And I don't, I, I can't like call to memory, like to watch. A lot of times I can watch a movie almost in my head if I close my eyes. I just remember it being good. So. I'm sure it was. Uh, I have not seen that, but I did see Tupac Resurrection and Super Size Me in theaters. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember seeing them in theaters as well. Uh, best documentary short goes to Mighty Times, The Children's March. Okay. Best live action short film goes to Wasp. But not Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say not the 80s hair metal band. Oh, yeah. Best animated short film goes to Ryan. Good job, Ryan. Good job, Ryan. We're all pulling for you. Our... Next category brings us to our podcast within a podcast, John Williams Oscar Watch. John Williams nominated for Harry Potter in The Prisoner of Azkaban, the film that got me into actually reading Harry Potter books. Now, I wish I hadn't. Fucking J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. <laughs> Just angry. The books uh, are extraordinary. The person is not. Yeah, I, 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 we're about to finish uh, Chamber of Secrets for the second time. I've been re I read them to my boys at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I have a really cool card game in my dining room called Hogwarts Battle. That's a deck building game that me and my boys play together. Got yep, being the Harry Potter generation is a weird thing. Yeah, sucks. <laughs> Just everybody ruins everything. We, ruins you know, but, I, but it but it depends on your take on it, and I kind of respect the take that a lot of of the actors that were in the films have taken, which is <clears throat> we differentiate the creator with the creation. Death of the author. Yeah. Yeah. Because Harry Potter got kids that had never read to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It made things magical i first started reading them because i was uh my my brother was really unwell i was taking care of my nephews for the summer and i think at the time they were eight and ten and they were reading a chapter a night and i i'd never heard of harry potter i'd never read harry potter and i started reading them a chapter a night and then once they'd go to sleep i'd read ahead <laughs> yeah they're hard to stop and they, they were just so incredible and i was that person that went adults reading a kid's book whatever and um ah <laughs> oh, i and i love this i love those books i i like the films but i love the books i right. i i got into it through the films and i've already told the story once but i'll tell it again uh and i haven't when, heard it so yeah tell me when, so <laughs> 
so I was 13 when the first one came out, so I was way too cool for that shit. But then uh, the first movie trailer came out, and I was like, oh my god, I gotta go see this Harry Potter movie. And I was talking to my dad one day, I was like, seen that trailer for that Harry Potter movie? He was like, yeah, that looks really good. And I was like, let's use each other as excuses to go see this movie. (laughs) Yeah, my dad wants to go see it. (laughs) So... So we go see this movie and it was cute and I enjoyed it. I was like, that was nice. And then the second one came out. So I went and saw that one in the theater. And I was like, oh, that, that was also very nice. The third one came out. I was like, holy fucking shit. I need to read these books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember having like bribing everybody I knew to go and see the first one with me and nobody would go. And in the end, my mom said yes, but only because I told her that I would buy her lunch. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Go to a movie and then I'll buy you lunch. Ne- never mind the fact that th- when the second one came out, we were first in line to see it because she, I liked the film. She loved the film. My mom does like a happy ending. Like, uh, you know, everything's good and wonderful. Magic and a smile, basically. Right. Yeah, I was seeing how reachable things on my shelf were. They're not. <laughs> my mother-in-law crocheted me a Dobby that I have sitting on this shelf up here. Is this, it this one socks? that's running across the top of the room? You can mm-hmm. see there. Uh, he there is there is somewhere um, the diary of Tom Riddle with a hole in it and a sock inside of it. Nice. Uh, and then I have a Nymphadora Tonks wand that I got from. Universal Studios when we went when my kids were very little uh, because I asked what characters they had from Hufflepuff. She was the only one. I was like, good. You at least have the best one. <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff as well. Nice. You, you would be. <laughs> all, the, all the arts very training and Hufflepuff stuff. Very much Hufflepuff energy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I know about you, I immediately think that. <laughs> All right. So, John Williams, he was nominated. Nominated. Lost to Jan A.P. Kazmarek for uh, Finding Neverland. Oh, okay. Thomas Newman's in there for Lemony Snicket. John Debney's in there for Passion of the Christ. And James Newton Howard's in there for The Village. I don't really know where I'd go there. It's actually not a particularly strong category. Yeah, I mean... Not I like Williams' score for Azkaban. I mean, that's probably the most memorable of them all. Maybe go James Newton Howard for the village. Village, like yeah, that was that was probably the best part of the village. I'm a big fan of that film, and that's a oh. really good score. We're defenders. Great of performance the village. from Bri- Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, very mediocre film. Can't agree on everything, but we can. Uh, fuck my life. Um, Al Otro Lada del Rio from The Motorcycle Diaries wins Best Original Song. May have pronounced that right. I'm sorry for anybody whose ears I may have just damaged trying to pronounce that. Sounded nice. Thank you. It, it, did, it sounded lovely. It beats out uh, Accidentally in Love by The Counting Crows from Shrek 2. <laughs> oh, I love Counting Crows. I was just thinking that. <laughs> August and Nick. Everything After is one of my road trip albums. It's like, I always have it with me. I'm a fashion nugget by Cake. Also oh. very good. 
Short skirt and a long jacket. Is that cake? That is cake. Not that's not on fashion. That's yet, not but that. that but cake. yeah, I, they just I remember that from high school. That's on. I will survive. Is that from Fashion Nugget? That is, as well as the distance. Oh, just the song just most people. Yeah. I have to drink my damn water to go in the distance. I think. <laughs> there you go. I once uh, thought up an idea for a movie about a couple that breaks up on a on a road trip together, set to the Fashion Nugget album. And something recently did something along the lines of that, where I was like, well, I guess I could never write that movie. <laughs> Sorry, it's just making me think of an Australian TV show where they, uh, every time they get in the car, there's a tape stuck in the tape deck and it's um, Steps. Um, I don't know whether you guys got the song over there, but it was five, six, seven, eight. It was like, <laughs> my boot scooting baby is driving me crazy. And they can't change the car. Every time they're in the car, the stereo is stuck two steps, five, six, seven, eight. Awesome. Yes. What was the name of this show? Um, oh, uh, please, I think it's called Please Like Me. That please, a good show. That's a great title. Please like me. It's, um, <laughs> Writing that I, one down. The Australian comedian that wrote the show was part of the show. Actually, did an American show. I'll find out more details later. Oh, uh, Josh Thomas, very quirky comedian. Hmm. Very nice. Uh, our best sound editing goes to the Incredibles. Best sound mixing goes to Ray. Hmm. Uh, best art direction goes to the Aviator. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Best Cinematography also goes to the Aviator, giving Robert Richardson an Academy Award. This is a pretty stacked category. So uh, we have Zhao Xiaoding for uh, House of Flying Daggers, Caleb Deschanel for The Passion of the Christ, mm. Bruno Delbanel for A Very Long Engagement, and then John Matheson for Phantom of the Opera. Probably <laughs> doesn't belong in there. I guess Christine. <laughs> Best makeup goes to Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. No, I'll go with that. That's a good win. I, I like that movie a lot. And I do there's too. a lot of good makeup in it. Yes. Uh, Best costume design goes to The Aviator, giving Sandy mm. Powell an Academy Award. They bought it all from Sears. Yeah. <laughs> Did they say Sears? Make it pennies. <laughs> um, best film editing goes to The Aviator, giving Thelma an Academy Award. Hooray! Thelma. We'll talk a lot more about you tomorrow, Thelma, because you rule. Uh, that beats a Million Dollar Baby. Joel Cox. Best visual effects goes to Spider-Man 2. Cruise Control. Best Spider-Man. Still the best spider Other than Into the Spider-Verse. Which is tied for my first, and those two flip-flop often of which one's the better one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just because I feel like Spider-Man 2 finally hit that stride where it was like, this is what a comic book movie should feel like. Mm. A comic book. Mm. And then Into the Spider-Verse is like, well, why don't we just use the aesthetic of comic books and go absolutely apeshit. Yes. <laughs> uh, Academy, Academy, Academy Honorary Award. I think I tried to just fuse those first two words. 
uh, goes to one of the greatest directors of all time, Sidney Lamet. Recognition yes, of, of his brilliant services to screenwriting, writers, performers, and the art of motion picture. God damn, Sidney Lamet could direct the fuck out of a movie. You know, as you once said, you wish you could do anything. Anything in my life as good as that man can make a movie. I tell you. Um, Gene Herschel's Humanitarian Award goes to Roger Mayer. Uh, we have a Gordon E. Sawyer tonight. Uh, Takuo Miyagishima grabs the Gordon E. Sawyer Award. Miyagishima, or uh, Tack, as his friends called him, worked for Panavision from 1954 until his retirement in 2009, by which time he was the Senior Vice President of Engineering. Beautiful. Uh, he made his first mechanical drawing for Panavision in 1954. Uh, in 1955, his first project was the Super Pantar Projection Lens. He helped develop Panavision's Primo series of lenses, which were used for films including Empire of the Sun. These lenses received Academy and Emmy Awards. Nice. Uh, he received the Fuji Gold Medal in 1991 for his single autofocusing anamorphic camera lens. He also worked on Panavision's Panflex motion picture camera system and auto Pantar anamorphic photographic lens. Uh, and after he died in 2011 at the age of 83, Panavision named their T series of uh, anamorphic wide lenses in 2016 after TAC. The TNT series stands for TAC. Nice. Aww. So, some films that recently you may have seen that were shot with his T-series lenses include Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm -hmm. Ready Player One, A Quiet Place, and Logan. Wow. Nice collection there. Yeah. So, it's nice to know that his legacy lives on because... He is the hero to all. Hero to all. That's our Oscar it's breakdown. nice having the heroes that aren't known as well. Yeah, uh, I really liked when the Gordon E. Sawyer Award got introduced because I like talking this really nerdy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Oscar breakdown. Well, thank you. Now, is this the point, I always forget, where uh, Jonathan would do the quick Razzie roundup, or is that later? No, 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 no. That's after I do... Uh, National Film Registry. Now we talk about a movie. So now, now you'll say, now you'll say, let's talk about a movie. Let's talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby. How do we feel about the Million Dollar Babies? <sighs> so we said it before. It was, you know, it's a spoiler podcast. If you haven't seen it, you should have watched it before you listened. Yeah, but you jerk face. <laughs> I really like the movie. I just, I still don't know how I feel about the ending. It, it, when I watched it the first time, I was like, I was really digging it. And then, you know, when she hits the, the bar stool or the stool, it took me out of it. And oh, yeah? I'm like, like did, did, did we need to go that direction? But as I'm older watching it again, I was appreciating the movie more for its, uh, dialogue and its characters and its themes of uh forgiveness and redemption and stuff you know I, I still have the unforgiven poster here behind me with clint on it and that's kind of why i made the unforgiven two joke because there's still just a lot of people looking for forgiveness and 
I don't know. It's a real downer ending. And again, with the advertising, I'm not sure that's what I was expecting going into it. But I should have known in Clint Eastwood. So I'll I'll pause and let somebody else, you know, talk and then I'll explore those thoughts. What you got, Rachel? <laughs> Just, I'm trying to formulate thoughts. Um I I don't hate the ending. I love the ending. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's consistent with with the whole theme and the story of the film, which is that we never quite know what life's going to throw at us. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's actually the ending is just I, I can't think of a better better character arc for her because it's very it's very much a Maggie thing. She was all or nothing. Mm. Yeah. And and that's so consistent throughout the whole film that the only way to end this film was for her to end. And so I, I don't know whether I, I, like, it's not a feel good. Like, it's, it's not exactly a movie that I can see myself eating the popcorn with the extra butter while I'm watching, <laughs> you know. It's one of those movies where you go, oh, this feels a little bit wrong if I'm snacking during this. But, yeah. but um, I think it's very powerful. Yeah. I think the ending is incredibly powerful. I think the film as a whole is very powerful. Um, it's so actor-driven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because Clint Eastwood is directing it and because he was an actor. Um, I mean, still is. I, I do I do think that this is an incredible performance from him. I'm glad that we finally, Morgan Freeman finally got the Oscar. Yeah. Um, Oscar, he should have gotten I, I for I don't Shawshank. necessarily think it's his strongest performance. I don't think it's Morgan Freeman's strongest performance. Um, but I do think that all three of them do so well in this film that the dialogue is very actor-driven. The performances, it's not a film where you feel like you're watching actors. It's a film where you you feel like you're watching these people live their lives Mm -hmm. and that she really would be irritating the crap out of him. (laughs) Yeah. But that eventually people like that get under your skin. I. Yeah, it's it's a very powerful film. Yeah, and and as you said, I I can't see it ending any other way because him getting a happy ending with his surrogate daughter when he can barely make up with his own daughter seems disingenuous in a way. Yeah. So the fact that he is able to come to some kind of terms with who he is as a person that they all come to terms with who they are. Yeah, but then has to kind of lose it again by giving up the one thing that he has come to actually care for, his relationship with her. It, yeah. It, yeah. It's a downer, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, but it's, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's like Nicole Kidman said, sometimes heartbreak feels good in a place like this. <laughs> has anybody else seen the AMC spot? Oh, yeah, I think I I walked in. I, I ran out to get some sodas or something when we went to see Sonic Two. So I missed. The, you missed the Nicole Kidman spot. Uh, I have to watch it. I walked Oops. in during it and I missed that line. I think. Anyway, yeah, 
I, I agree with all those points, and I'm I've got nothing against a downer move, downer ending or anything. I you know sometimes I I like a downer ending, but I don't know the the part that upsets me a little. There's two things the you know Maggie's uh basically been shit on her whole life, and then she finally gets a chance, and then she gets shit on by death. It's like okay, and then. <laughs> Um, you know, Frank, uh, the whole time he's afraid of going for it and then he finally does. And then this happens. So I'm just like wondering what is the message? Is it like, should we not go for it because we're going to die or, or kill somebody you love? Or I don't know. Yeah. I think the message is really clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I get why it seems vague, but to me, it's, it seems really clear. I think that if we look at it, we look in, look at the core of who Maggie is. I think even if Maggie knew it was going to end the way it ended, she was still going for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm, arrival vibes. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. <laughs> right. I mean, if we're talking meaningful quotes, right, still Magnolia's 30 seconds of wonderful, then a lifetime of nothing special. Mm. I think really what we should take from this is it, it could end up the worst, but you're never going to find out if it's going to end up the worst if you don't. If you don't do it. Yeah. I mean, you, you're that whole, uh, you only miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she, she was there, she was knocking at glory, but it, it just wasn't to be for her. And yeah, but she at least got to knock on the door. She, she didn't just squander in obscurity as she says, you know, they were, they were chanting her name. Mm-hmm. and she would never give that up for anything. And most of us don't get that. Yeah. And I guess maybe, you know, it's another me thing. It's like, I don't fully identify with that. I guess I've never had like a driving thing that I would risk my life so willingly for. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think it's her character. I think it's a really, I think it is a really great character. I think it's a very strong character. But I actually think it's a film that's a really great example of being an elite, elite athlete as well. Mm. I think that when you, you know, if, we, if we're going to look at boxing films, we can look at Rocky, right? Mm-hmm. And it almost, I, I mean, okay, so Apollo eventually dies, but it almost makes it glamorous. Whereas Million Dollar Baby isn't showing that. The amount of elite athletes that actually get permanently injured or die doing what they love because they're at that level where it is do or die. Mm-hmm. Um, that when something means so much to you, it's worth that risk. I, I think that this is a film that's really good at showing that. I have a niece who is um, go, is on track to go to the Olympics for Taekwondo. She's, oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, national champion. Now, to meet this girl in person, she is the prettiest girly girl that you will ever meet. <laughs> and you put her on a Taekwondo mat and she will uh, destroy you. <laughs> I kind of like that. I kind of, you know, as yeah. as as an yeah. auntie, seeing seeing a 21-year-old woman that can be like walk down the street and have every guy go, Woof, and then know that she can just knock them on their ass. I really love that. Oh, I yeah. like that a lot. But, yeah. But I see what she does to her body in order to be able to do that. I see that that she has this absolutely feisty temper that my sister has, has as well, 
right? Yeah. That she's actually funneling that into something, <laughs> <laughs> which which is, you know, nice for all the people around her. It's <laughs> being funneled into something rather than them. Um, uh, it is very much an all or nothing kind of, kind of world. And I think that this is a really excellent portrayal um, but also bringing light to the fact that people do get these injuries and they do die. The amount of racing uh, racing drivers that die, um, jockeys that die, and um, gymnasts that or football players that end up with these permanent injuries that end up on machines or in wheelchairs. And, and you know, we, we love the sport and we cheer for the sport and we cheer for the medals. But this is a glimpse behind the curtain of just how much they're risking when they're yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Very well and, done, I think. You know, yeah. And it's it's about drive and it's about passion and what you're willing to sacrifice to get to to that level. Hmm. And it's a drive that a lot of people just don't have for hmm. anything. And these people are so focused on this one thing it is literally their entire life yeah and i think the the more i listen to you both talk about it i think probably my main issue with the film is just in fact the stool it feels like what's the opposite of a deus ex machina or <laughs> it's like but but it isn't really because they show you almost every single time he puts that stool in the ring yeah it is telegraphed and telegraphed and it's one of yeah. those things that watching it this time especially uh, i just noticed how many times they just got a close-up of him putting that stool in the ring it's, right i noticed that too it's it's such a such a minor detail that if if that's not what you're if that's not what you're watching the movie for is those that kind of minor detail yeah it, it's gonna feel like it comes out of nowhere but i mean the fact that he n- almost Every single boxing match she has, they show her go to the corner. They show him put that stool out. Yeah. And it it never fails. So it just happens to be this one time the stool gets put out. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those freak accident kind of things where this is routine. This is what happens every single time. You're going to watch it happen. You're going to watch it happen. And it's nothing. And it's nothing. And then he puts it out this time. And it's nothing until it's something. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, it becomes a really bad something. Yeah. The stool is the metaphor for life. It's going to break you when you're down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Getting someone's, really deep now. Philosophical and everything. Someone's going to punch <laughs> you in the fucking back and you're going to break your neck on a stool. The mm. stool of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i do like that she gets to tell off her uh, piece of shit family oh uh, yeah fuck you character actor martin margo martindale <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah she's so good at this though she is so vile and disgusting with when, when they finally show up after being down the street from her for an entire week and they're all wearing Universal Studios logos. It's like, uh, you might want to go back and change. Don't let her know you've been <laughs> visiting Mickey and Woody. <laughs> <laughs> Just horrible people. 
Yeah. I completely forgot Ricky Lindholm from Garfunkel and Oates is in this movie, though. Oh. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's the, the sister or sister-in-law, whatever. Captain America himself. The, the new yep. one. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anthony Mackie. You know, just being a jerk and insecure fighting his masculinity. Yeah. Love Jay Burrowchell in that role, too. Not not enough Jay Burrowchell performances that I can say I absolutely love. Anybody have any additional thoughts? No, not not particularly. I think it's beautifully shot and well paced. It's a little over two hours, but it yeah. barely feels like it. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this too after watching Unforgiven not too long ago, just how, you know, Eastwood really works with the shadows and the darkness and everything. Mm-hmm. Does it very well. Indeed he does. But yeah, uh, no, I think it's a, a beautiful looking film. I, I like what it has to say. And uh, I like Clint Eastwood fighting for his own soul. Mm-hmm. But not really knowing how to do that. It it does for me seem to be the start of him playing that kind of role, though. Mm-hmm. He tends to play some inca- incarnation of that role in many films after this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's almost like um, Al Pacino doing Scent of a Woman and then all of a sudden Al Pacino went from being you know, Scarface and Godfather, and then all of a sudden Al Pacino became Hoover. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you won Best Picture twice and you're playing kind of the same character in those two films, you're just going to kind of be that guy for the rest of your life now. It it might also be an easier role for him to play while he's Mm -hmm. directing it as well. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, you know, quiet and stoic stubborn it's easier to play than you know eccentric and dramatic while you're trying to keep everybody else going too i guess apparently quiet and stoic is also his directing style yes because he used to work on so many westerns that if you shout action on western sets it scares the horses (laughs) so apparently he just yell he just is like all right we're doing a take now You'd made a comment after the Unforgiven episode that I don't remember if you said it on there or off, but you felt like Clint Eastwood should have retired after that. Do you still feel the same way? I don't think I said that. Hmm. Maybe somebody else did. Because I That's absolutely Jonathan, because he's not here. We did that with you, Paul, <laughs> when you weren't here. Just blame things on you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I said that because I certainly don't want to lose. Uh, a lot of his output after I love blood work. Mm. I love this movie. I really like Gran Torino. I, I think his performances bring a presence to the screen, but I think he's also very good at when he's directing a film. It, I mean, I, I find it, it sounds silly, but I found it odd that he got nominated for best actor. Um, it is a great performance. But I feel like the focus, he never brings the focus on his performance when he's directing it. Yeah. But, you know, even on a film where he may have a lead role, I, I think this film is very much focused on, on Hilary Swank's performance. Yeah. And when you look at 
the rest of the field, the rest of the field is very quantifiable acting. The Academy is awarding people for the acting that they can see on screen. So Jamie Foxx turning into Ray, Don Cheadle having a nice big performance in Hotel Rwanda. Hotel Rwanda, yeah. Very good film. Uh, Johnny Depp putting on a Scottish accent, playing J.M. Barry. Uh, And then Leonardo DiCaprio being Howard Hughes. In, OCD, yeah. Yeah. And so these are all, these. this is all acting that you can see. Big performances, you can, yeah. Yeah, you can see it on screen where Clint Eastwood's very reserved and very Clint yeah. Eastwood. And it's something that they don't always notice. You look at like Ray Fiennes and The Constant Gardener and they paid no attention. No, while and his co-star such, wins an Academy Award, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's just such a perfectly like stoic, Thing. And so I do find it funny that he was nominated because it, he is very different for the category that he was nominated in. Um, but I think that I, <laughs> this is going to sound so cheesy. I feel like his performance is almost like the heartbeat that keeps the film going. It's this consistency in the melody of who he is and who he puts across because Maggie is dynamics. Yeah. And he's just still. There's a there's a lot of loud a but, lot of noise and chaos around him. Final question I had uh, I saw a theory. Um, do you think that final scene of he and him at the diner is that like is he dead and he went to heaven to have that pie because there's a line or something about eating pie no. in heaven? No, no. I think he's okay. just eating pie. I, <laughs> I, I think like that's I, I I think that's a step too far for this movie. Good. Just with the themes. Come on, all. I already used the stool as a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eastwood's not that guy. Like he he's gonna he's gonna show you what he needs to show you. And if he's supposed to be in heaven, he's just gonna show you that. Yeah. Good. I, I like that answer. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's, he's not, like he's not that question, kind of though. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So now comes the time. Uh, National Film Registry. National Film Registry. It's probably slim pickings this year. It's very slim pickings. I almost, I almost wanted you guys to guess the one movie that is in for the year of 2004, but neither of you will ever get it. Ever? Some. All right. You Strange. you both you both get three guesses then. <laughs> Can we get a clue? Get it. Is it a is it a narrative film or a documentary? Or neither. It is a documentary. Documentary. So it's not super size me. It is not. <laughs> and I don't think Born in Brothels that wasn't American, so <laughs> No, I that was from Calcutta, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not Fahrenheit nine eleven. <laughs> Uh, it is so it's not sicko. Nope. Uh, I'm going to say Miss Marianne and her traveling band of puppets. I back that answer and say, okay, Paul, what, what was introduced? <laughs> uh, 13 Lakes. 13 Lakes. Bam. 16 millimeter film by American independent filmmaker James Binning. It is an instance of slow cinema, placing emphasis on introspection and contemplation. Oh, there you go. At least some Benning one. Well done, James Benning. Yes, well done. Would you like <laughs> to guess what year this went in? 2018. And remember, 2014 is the earliest it can go in because mm, we're in 2004. 2021. It was 
2014. Oh, damn. Must First be really ballot. good then. Write that yeah. down. 13 leaks. The number 13, not spelled out. The number 13 is during Jim Carrey. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was saying, and it's not the uh, 13 ghosts with the 13 inside the title. Right. Which I believe turns into 13 in ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, so I do a quick rousy roundup. I'll just uh, you know go through here and um, give us the winners. Uh, okay. Worst picture goes to Catwoman, and then we get a little silly theme running here. Did you have something to say about Catwoman? Uh, I walked out of that movie while I was working at the theater in two thousand four because mm. it is awful. I've never seen it. I didn't. It know don't. Yeah. And then we've got a silly little theme here. The Razzies were uh, punching down again as they typically do. But, you know, <laughs> the worst actor goes to George W. Bush in Fahrenheit 9-11 as himself. Uh, worst actress goes to Halle Berry. Who, who shows up to the, to the ceremony to accept her Razzie whilst we holding her Oscar. They do that. Yeah. Yep. She's holding her Oscar as she accepts it, giving a very, a very uh, over-the-top tearful speech. <laughs> Terrific. It is, it is a wonderful clip if you ever see it. Uh, and Rachel, last time you were on the show, you had a question about uh, Tom Green, who did show up to accept his Razzie for the best movie ever, Freddy Got Fingered. And not only did he show up to accept it, he brought his own red carpet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, worst supporting actor goes to Donald Rumsfeld for Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, Worst supporting actress goes to Britney Spears for Fahrenheit 9/11. That's just like I said, it's a weird theme they've got going here. They have something against her. It, yeah, it's do. gross, and uh, and we wonder why she ended up in the situation she ended up in. Yeah. Yep. Worst screen couple goes to George W. Bush and Condoleezza Rice, or his pet goat in Fahrenheit 9/11. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Worst remake or sequel goes to Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed. Wait, hold on. What's it up against? Alien versus Predator. This is Anac- great. Anaconda, the hunt for Alien the blood orchid. Predator. Which is hilarious. Around the world in 80 days. That maybe yeah, should have won it. Was, and Exorcist, the beginning. No, that should have won. That should have won it. <laughs> because they took, the, they took that away from uh, Paul Schrader and made a way worse movie, I believe, directed by Rennie Harlan. Oh. Um, also, the uh, pirate movie guy, right? The yeah, one, you're right. The yeah, one yeah, the one who was married to married Gina Davis. To Gina Davis. <laughs> yeah, and they did um, Cutthroat Island. Yes. Um, he go. also directed <laughs> Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Um, <laughs> Which is nothing compared to Die Hard with Vengeance, but that's just because... Yeah, you know, I, it, it, is, it is kind of the opposite of the Mad Max films, where the middle one is the weakest. And, mm. Yeah. What was the first one you said... After Scooby Doo, what Alien versus Predator? Alien versus No, uh, I was thinking Anacondas, the uh, Blood which yeah. <laughs> had Morris Chestnut in it, who of oh. course uh, was in um, Boys in the Hood, right? And was the brother of the star of the first Anaconda, Ice Cube, yeah, in the movie. Gosh, I loved Boys in the Hood. It's so good. It is. It is so, even now. It's what you know how you love films when you're younger, and then you go back and watch them later. And sometimes you think, mm. and sometimes the nostalgia wins you over. And you know, I look. I I I really really love Heather's. 
It doesn't matter how yes. old I am. I really, really love Heather's. But a lot of that I think probably has to do with not not just black comedy but also nostalgia. Um, but Boys in the Hood is a movie that it doesn't matter how old I am. It's still a damn good movie. It's it's beautiful. It is a beautiful yeah. film. It yeah. is. Well, we got uh, Worst Director goes to Pitoff. Pitoff. For, Cat, for Catwoman. Who was the cinematographer for Jean-Pierre Genet. And that was his directing debut. Oh, okay. He, he shot Alien Resurrection. Nice. Which I believe you said should have won Best Picture. Was that uh, Probably. <laughs> I, I say I a lot of really dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> Something in uh, one of your framed answers, I think. Oh, yeah, probably. Uh, here's my... Here's my alien anthology because it's I am beautiful. obsessed with this series. It's so shiny. It's very shiny. All right. Worst screenplay goes to Catwoman by a whole bunch of different people. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that was just like 13 writers, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. So then they have quick uh, worst of our first 25 years. Worst Razzie loser of our first 25 years. What was that? Worst Razzie loser. What does that mean? Their worst giving? No. Okay, most nominations. Go to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my gosh, with eight nominations. Not Sylvester Stallone? No. Wow. Must have oh, been. So, so Arnold Schwarzenegger kept losing to Stallone, so he's, he's the worst loser. Oh, got it. Got it. <laughs> worst drama of the first 25 years goes to Battlefield Earth. Okay. Worst comedy goes to Jiggly. Uh, okay. <laughs> worst musical goes to From Justin to Kelly. If that's if we're calling that a musical, that's the Razzie Roundup. It should have gone to the the jazz singer, starring Neil Diamond. <laughs> no, I know my dad had it on video. You didn't, you didn't have to fill in the rest. <laughs> on the streets and on the fields, they're coming to America. <laughs> oh well, okay, get down. That's a very good impression. Oh, thank you. Uh, and now is our worsty judgments. All right. So, uh, we asked the two questions now, I guess our first one, Rachel, you should know, uh, is did this movie deserve to win best picture? Oh, <laughs> the million, the dollar, the baby. Oh, it's actually a really tough year. Um, and ironically, not just on films in the category. There mm. were a lot of films that weren't nominated for Best Picture that I was really surprised weren't nominated for Best Picture. Um, but then, you know, how do you narrow it down? Look, I, I think that I don't think it's undeserving of Best Picture. I think it's a great film. I think it is a very, very different film to The, to the Aviator. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people expected the Aviator to win. I'm going to go with yeah. I think it. I, I I think it's a quieter film, but I think yes, it did deserve Best Picture. Very nice. Zach, hi. Did this, did this deserve Best Picture? I'll do a quick ranking of the other ones. I have seen all these movies, uh, but I didn't get to rewatch Sideways, and I think I kind of told you off before the first time I saw it I didn't really get it I probably will more I still liked it but it's one I need to rewatch so I've got that at my number four of the others 
Then I've got Ray, which is also a really good movie, but it's mostly, I think, on the back of um, Jamie Foxx's performance. A performance, yeah. Um, and I've got Finding Neverland, which is a movie I really like, and I think it's one of um, it's a it's a good performance from Johnny Depp and Freddie Highmore. Obviously, is awesome mm. in it, and mm-hmm. the ending always gets me. And and now the other two. Aviator and Million Dollar Baby are kind of neck and neck. No, well, intended pun, I guess. There you go, neck. Yeah. Um, Damn, still. Always, and always intend your puns. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll save more thoughts for tomorrow's episode on Aviator. Uh, but I think either one of those two deserve best picture. I'm going to say yes, Million Dollar Baby, despite you know my kind of hemming and hawing over it, I... In in the end, I really do think it's a great film. Um, even though Eternal Sunshine is my favorite of the year, and probably if somebody asked me what my favorite movie of all time is, nominated. Well, it did. It won the screenplay. So, like Paula said, sometimes they give that to the cool movie. Um, Kill Bill Two, Volume Two, Before Sunset, Spider Man Two. Shout out to the Notebook because I'm a sap for it. So, yes. I did. I totally didn't bring up before sunset the the adapted screenplay category because it got nominated and Linkletter, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy all got nominations this year. Yeah, beautiful. But yes, I think it deserved it. What about you, Paul? All right, uh, do the thing. Uh, so my number four of the remaining is Ray. Uh, I'm I made a really egregious mistake the other week by letting Joseph Tapia convince me to watch Walk Hard, <laughs> which is such a good movie that I could not watch Ray at all because I just kept laughing very inappropriately at all the things that are really dumb about it. Mm. Um, but Jamie Foxx is incredible in that film. Uh, and so is our queen Regina King. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Kerry Washington too, and Warwick Davis, <laughs> who's in that picture right there. Yep. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It's it's kind of a it it puts the hack in Taylor Hackford. <laughs> Do you my take number my money. Take my money. <laughs> uh, my number three is Finding Neverland, a film that I like. I think is sweet and nice and Freddie Highmore is incredible. And it's the last time Johnny Depp plays a human being in a movie and, uh, he gets nom- he you know, he gets nominated in 03 for the shitty pirate movie he was in. And then, uh, just plays that character for the rest of his career. So cool. He got who had. Yeah. He just, I fuck him. I hope he disappears from life. Um, hmm. Hmm. I won't get into that. Into what? <laughs> exactly. I'm just talking about his bad acting. Gotcha. So my number three or two of the remaining is The Aviator, which is a gorgeous film. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to talk about that tomorrow night. Uh, my number one of the remaining and my number one film of 2004 is Sideways. That film rules. It's incredible. Uh, I discovered that film 
after I had just dropped out of college and uh, wasn't acting anymore. So watching two guys struggle to be artists while uh, just making terrible decisions with their life. Yeah, it really resonated with me in 2004 at the age of 20. So I was burnt out pretty early. And you were wa- advanced. Yep. <laughs> and then watching it now as a 38-year-old burnout did not uh, change my mind on how brilliant that film is because Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, it's great. Uh, Alexander Payne is one of my favorite directors slash film writers. I nice. love nearly everything he does. Uh, and Million Dollar Baby is going to slot in at my number three. I think this is an incredibly good film. I think it ends up in my top 20 of 2004. And I always say it's in my top 20. I'll never be sad if it wins Best Picture. So, yes, I think it deserved Best Picture. Nice. So, Maria Full of Grace is a film none of us talked about. And I, that's a really so- sad movie about drug muling. <laughs> I think that it was just a really, really strong year for films. And I think, um, I mean, I was I was listening to you guys and then uh, I was listening to the Chicago episode and that wasn't necessarily a strong year for films. And when we were talking uh, about A Beautiful Mind, also not a particularly strong year for films, a lot of mediocre films. I think 2001 is a very strong year for film. See, I think that there was a lot of middle-of-the-line films rather than extraordinary films. I think that 2004 was a year for a lot of extraordinary films and and not just, but not similar. They're all incredibly different. And so uh, Maria Full of Grace, um, Flying Daggers. Oh, House of Flying Daggers. Oh. um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. These These are all films like... I to to the point that when I looked at the list of who was nominated, I went and looked at the Golden Globes to look at because, you know, obviously they split the category into two. So I wanted to look at who was nominated at that that wasn't nominated for the Oscar. Um, look, I think Ray is a performance-driven film. I think if it was not for Jamie Foxx, if there was a different actor in there, it could have just been very mediocre. Yeah. Um, Sideways is a film that I liked when I first saw it. I went back and watched it about three years ago and I loved it. Yeah. I think it was just a film that, I mean, I was, I think I was 21 when it came out. I was not, yeah, I had no idea about any of that. <laughs> you know, I was, I was not as advanced as Paul. I was not yet burnt out. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's still, really you know, funny. A rose colored glasses uni student. <laughs> what's really funny is when I first saw that movie, I didn't drink at all. Yeah. Like I just didn't drink alcohol. Uh, and in 2012, when I moved from Illinois back to Virginia, I got a job in wine sales. So now that movie has an extra level for me. <laughs> oh, see that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, I finding Neverland. I, I like it. I think it's very sentimental. I, I'm going to be really honest. I don't, I don't know that I would have put it in the best picture category. No, I think it's, we, I think it's, weak compared to a lot of the films that didn't get a nomination hotel rwanda didn't get a nomination as well and yeah you know right. there there were some hard-hitting films that year and but yeah i would agree with you that there you know if if sideways had won i wouldn't have been disappointed if the aviator had won i wouldn't have been disappointed million dollar baby was actually a surprise for me but 
um, that it won, I thought I thought it would just go to the Aviator, to be honest, because the big film usually conquers. And it just felt like Scorsese's year. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it felt like it was time for it him was, to dust off the bridesmaid's dress. It was the most nominated film of the year. It really felt like it was the one that was going to win. Yeah. All right, so our second question is, Rachel, is this the worst best picture of all time? Nowhere near it. Excellent. Zach, is this right. the worst best picture of all time? No, it's not. It's a very good film. I think I have it like, uh, I think I give it four and a half stars, and I have it ranked at number 29. So there we go. What about yeah. you? And for me, I also gave it four and a half stars, and I have it ranked at number 36. Well, uh, I really like this film so it's i couldn't i couldn't put it above some of the films that, that it's right below i couldn't have put it above all about eve or the sting or an american in paris those films are remarkable an american in paris so i good. saw that in the cinema again two oh. years ago i it was that, the it, it, if you've never seen it at the cinema do yourself a favor it's a film you have to watch at the cinema Oh, oh I, my gosh. I want to see that in the cinemas. It, it's yeah. such a delightful movie. Yeah. All right. So with that, we're going to call it for the week. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us again. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me hang out, guys. Yeah. yeah. We it's always, always fun. But uh, would you like to let people know where they can find you on the media's um, social? You can find me on TikTok at Hope Warrior Sun. And I'm just about to start a month of, I'm not sure yet. I've got to collaborate the votes. <laughs> the topics are up for nomination. People trauma just films. Pick. A month of trauma films. <laughs> a month of trauma films. <laughs> I am thinking, though, given our earlier conversation, at some point I should give people the option of doing a month of comic book movies. Um which could be potentially painful for me because I've seen a lot of I'll, really bad comic book I'll, movies. I'll uh, I'll do I guess what Jonathan said on the other episode. My <laughs> I like Wes Anderson, whatever the fuck that means. List where I'll give you a bunch of comic book movies that aren't superheroes. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like yeah. the idea of that, including um, including my favorite comic book film of the year right now. Marry me. Okay. Oh yeah. I am. Um, wow. I yeah. At the moment, the nominations for uh, May, I I went with a theme, so I've got uh, May the Fourth be with you, which is any film regarding space at all. Okay. Um, May Day, so I'm looking for like nominations for films like Norma Ray and Milk, all those sort of things. You know, that person standing up for what really matters. Um, uh, and UHF uh, starring Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I've got Call Me Maybe, uh, which is basically uh, the film that made you get a crush on your cinematic crush. So um, at the moment, I think May the 4th is winning, but just. So nominations are still open for that. Um, I'm also on Instagram uh, for your daily reminder to drink your damn water, uh, which Trav seems to be a fan of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which is that hopeful ray of sunshine on Instagram. That's me. Excellent. Zach, where can people find you? Hi. You can find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-E-S-T-E-R, TikTok at House Havoc, or Letterboxd by searching my name and Mr. Workman. 
Uh, you can follow me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I watch. And uh, this week I watched The Northman, which was fine. Yeah, you said it was just kind of safe, safer than you would expected. I I think Eggers has put out two very weird and kind of inaccessible movies, which is where my pretension lies. I thought the Northman was just fine because of course it's the story that inspired Hamlet. So my review on letterbox is just, they should have called this Hamlet. <laughs> it, yeah, it's okay. I, you should still go see it in theaters because we should support cinema. That isn't just big, dumb action stuff. Mm-hmm. which I'll break up next week or tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And Zach. Yeah. What are we watching next week? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, next week we're watching crash. Into me. <laughs> Good. Yay. <laughs> which you can rent on Amazon, Google, YouTube, Vudu, or stream on HBO max, Hulu, or Tubi. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch it on Tubi with commercials. <laughs> Make that movie even longer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, we would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up for Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at the Oscarwisty Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty algorithm. Almighty! Give us five stars, boss. Don't call me boss. So, for Rachel, Jonathan, Zach, and uh, McCushla, we would like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>